Steve and Chris and uh, Lizzie and family, we go back quite a way. Uh, it's 1996 when I moved to, to Rottenstall, or Rottenstall as others may say, in the Rossendale Valley. And uh, I was called there to be pastor and Steve was one of the leaders at the time. And uh, uh, we got to know uh, each other well, um, partly through our children as well. Uh, Steve's uh, son and our youngest, they were best mates. And last year they were best men at each other's weddings. Um, they went to the same school, played in the same football team, played in the same band, and they ended up at the same university as well, unbeknown to each other uh, until they got there. So uh, uh, we also uh, got to know each other on the squash court quite a bit. Um, Steve's. Do they not? <laughs> uh, Steve's very passionate and very committed. Uh, and uh, every ounce of blood was shed on that squash court uh, <laughs> each week uh, as we as we ate. So we're very grateful and uh, for the friendship over the years. Uh, let me encourage you with some of the things that Steve's mentioned that's happening here in the Eastern Baptist Association. I work for Heber, which is the heart of England Baptist Association. So that's the the, the West Midlands. And we are seeing something of the wind of the God Spirit that's been blowing through there. And one of our churches uh, in the black country, um, that's the bit west of Birmingham. You must not mix up Birmingham with the black country. They're two very distinct areas. It's just south of Wolverhampton. But they've had a, a baptismal service every month now for over two years. And somebody's come through to faith almost every week uh, during that time as well and it, the church has grown from about 25 in three years to well over 150 and they've suddenly got 50 under 18s as well and uh, there is something of the wind of God's spirit there but that could be said of a few of others of our churches as well uh, and let me encourage you to keep praying and seeking God God wants to change hearts and lives that's at his, uh, at his heart and do go along for Ken Benjamin. I've got to know Ken Benjamin over the last couple of years. He's really a good and an inspirational uh, figure and the message that he's going to be bringing during this particular presidential year. Um, I want to give you uh, a little scenario in, uh, in our house. Um, Pam and I sat down. Uh, I may be there at my uh, laptop and... Uh, Pam's talking away to me, to me and she eventually she'll say to you, uh, uh, are you listening? I said, yes dear, of course. And I'm carrying on. And she's thinking, no, he's not. Uh, and then eventually she'll say to me, what did I say? <laughs> and I'm going, um, um, and I start to bluff and, uh, uh, and I hear the words, but I'm certainly not listening to the message it's going in and going straight back out uh, again and maybe that's a bit of a scenario not only in our house but maybe in other people's houses uh, as well um, just trying to work out oh that's a good idea isn't it yes uh, it's on there. One of our funniest sessions when I was at Spurgeon's College, and this was back in the 80s, was doing speech therapy. 
uh, and that was helping you to speak more clearly and speak from the stomach and everything. But also, we looked at the whole area of communication. Uh, and what was important was communicating the message. So you have the person speaking, and the person speaking is thinking about what they're going to be saying. It takes into account something of their presuppositions. It goes through their thinking process. They compose the message, and then they pass that message on. But then the person hearing hears the words, maybe looks out a little bit for body language. It passes through their filter and through their presuppositions, and then they make a decision on what they think has been said. And what is being said by the speaker is not always what's heard by the person listening. A few of you are nodding there. Maybe you've experienced that too. Um, this was uh, an American, um, Robert McCloskey, and he says, I know you believe you understand what you think I said, I'm not sure you realise what you heard is not what I meant. You may need to think about that one. <laughs> uh, but we've all played probably the game of Chinese whispers where we've passed on a message uh, around the room and how many times has the message got back exactly as it started off? Very rarely, if at all. You see, our upbringing, our culture, our friendships, the people who have had authority over us, society's values, expectations, they all go in to influence us. And so when we come to God, we don't come as blank sheets of paper. We often bring our own thinking. We bring our own presuppositions. And sometimes God's got to jolt us to get his message through. Only if you have had one of those jolting experiences from God. Uh, and some of us need a bit more of a jolt than others. I want us to consider uh, the situation in the passage from Acts chapter 10 that Steve uh, read for us. And there are two main characters in this uh, passage. And the first one here is uh, Cornelius, a Roman centurion. He was stationed at Caesarea. That big red arrow marks uh, Caesarea on the map. And Caesarea was named after Augustus Caesar. It was the administration capital of Judea, a splendid harbour built by Herod the Great. And that's where Cornelius was stationed. So what do we know about Cornelius? What do the scriptures tell us? Well, there's not an awful lot, but there are some little snippets. That he was devout. That he was generous to the needy. He was God-fearing. And he was someone who prayed. So he was certainly a good bloke with a spiritual understanding in our terminology maybe uh, today. But he was also a Gentile and a Gentile is a non-Jew. There from Israel's point of view he was outside, he was excluded from God's covenant and he could have no part of it. Let's just hold Cornelius and uh, let me introduce you to uh, the second person. Uh, and that is uh, to Peter. Well, the great thing about Peter is he would voice things 
whether right or wrong so you tended to know where you stood uh, with him very quickly he had been a, a successful commercial fisherman until Jesus got hold of him he was full of energy uh, he was eager he was always at the front of the, the queue but he was somebody who often misunderstood Jesus and he had to learn many lessons he was a Jew who came to faith you know when you have a look at the Gospels uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John he was a put your foot in it sort of character he was constantly jumping to the wrong conclusions and he would say oh yes I think I know what you mean Jesus and Jesus had to constantly say to him that's not what I'm actually saying and he was certainly fighting for God's kingdom here on earth in a much more of a physical way but when you get to Acts he's quite a changed character he's bold, he's courageous, he's on fire for Jesus he preaches, he heals he was an example but he was still on this learning curve and aren't we all on this learning curve or at least we all ought to acknowledge we're on a learning curve you know God is changing us from one glory into another my friends none of us have ever made it this side of heaven we need to keep allowing that spirit of God to keep working at us and chipping away at us and uh, uh, changing us but we'll come on to a little bit of that but like the other early Christians here we have Peter who still observed the old Jewish laws and there was some baggage with his upbringing and the Jews did not associate with Gentiles they kept a multitude of laws and that would include many uh, food laws as well lots of do's and don'ts about what you could eat and what you couldn't eat and when you could eat it and uh, everything else but it is interesting <coughs> here that Peter was staying with Simon the Tanner now Simon worked with dead animals that's converting skins into leather and as a result Simon would be seen as ceremonially unclean for the Jews now that didn't seem to be too much of a problem for Peter so whether we're seeing here the first signs of God chipping away uh, at Peter and he had made a little bit of progress Simon lived uh, in a place called Joppa that was 32 miles south of Caesarea and if you may recall in the Old Testament it was in Joppa where Jonah tried to make his foolish attempt to run from God and to jump on a ship feeling that uh, I'm going to get away from God but my friends we can't run from God not only does God track us down but wherever we go God's already there <laughs> and he knows what's in our hearts and in our minds we can't, we can't cover it up it's laid open to him let's go back to Cornelius um, and around three in the afternoon here we have Cornelius having a vision it's the time of the day when a devout Jew would be praying and here we're told that Cornelius sees an angel now don't ask me the circumstances around it I don't know and really for us this morning they're unimportant but the angel said go 
and get Peter. He's staying at Simon's house in Joppa. So he gets two servants and he relays everything to them and he sends them off. Let's remember, it's three in the afternoon. It's 32 miles to go. (laughs) They're not going to get there that day. Um, They make part of the journey. They stay overnight somewhere. And it's the next day that they will get there. We see here Cornelius, he heard from God. He had a practice to set aside time with God. And it's in one of those times that Cornelius heard from God. You know, God speaks to us constantly. uh, And it's good to develop a continuing conversation with God. I like to chat to God as I'm going through my day with whatever uh, I happen to be doing. However, when we do set aside time specifically, we find that it's often or usually in those times that God speaks. Then if you find that, when you put aside time that this is me and God time, it's in those times when I hear more clearly something of the voice of God. See, when our minds are focused on lots of things, we're not quite as receptive. And we live in a noisy world that's got full of clutter. And there's lots of voices and things coming in, whether it's the television or the radio or our phones or social media or other things that's constantly coming in. And sometimes we need to clear away something of that clutter so we can hear more clearly and that the voice of God is not lost within that noise. Jesus told the parable of the farmer sowing the seeds and some seed fell on the path and some cell fell on the, uh, the stony ground and some on the weedy ground. And as the weeds came up, uh, sorry, as the, uh, 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 the seeds began to grow, the thorns and the weeds squeezed the life out. And for me today, something of the life of Christ is often squeezed by the noise of the world round about. And we don't hear clearly from God. We sometimes like to think we do, but we don't. My friends, if the only time we spend with me and God is when you're driving to work, we need to re-look at our timetable. If the only time it's you and God time is in front of the television, (laughs) you need to reorganize something of what you do. So the other voices and the clutter is cleared away. So the first of our readings took us to 1 Kings 19. And thank you, Helen, for reading that and getting your uh, tongue around all those lovely words. Uh, And that's much appreciated. But God wasn't in the noise and in the activity of the earthquake, the wind and the fire. But he was in the still, small voice. And Cornelius realised that he needed others too to walk with. And that's why he called for Peter as well. And we need one another to help us to walk with Christ. 
And part of the reason why we meet together on a Sunday morning, isn't it? So that we have others to share with, to encourage us, and to make sure that we stay on the track with God. If it's only us, we can very easily misunderstand within our own interpretation. And we need others to walk with. Anyway, let's just go back to, uh, to Peter uh, for a moment. And the following day, there's Peter and he's off to pray at noon and he falls into a trance. It's not an imagination, it's not a dream, it's not sleep. His consciousness was heightened and he could receive from God. And Peter sees lots of creatures that as a Jew he regarded as being unclean. They weren't even to be touched. However, he hears God say to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. No, Lord. I've not done anything like that. I cannot do that. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And three times this happens. And Peter's confused. And I'm sure if you were Peter, you'd be confused too. (laughs) How can God ask me to do something so wrong? What's going on? What does this mean? And it's at the time when Cornelius' servants reach Joppa and they start to look for Peter. And the Spirit says to Peter, go with those people who are looking for you. No details, no questions, no sorting it out, simple obedience. And here was Peter, grown up as a Jew. He was wired to work in a certain way that said, there is no place for Gentiles. It was not God's intention, or so he thought. But actually God's intention was clear right from the beginning here from Genesis 12. And it was just at the the last bit there. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God to Abraham. See, the heart of God was not just for the Jews originally, but it was for all people and hence why you and I can know God today. (laughs) And that's exciting and that's something we need to give thanks for. And whatever we're about as a church, the, the thing we need to be about is telling others about the love of Christ and passing on that good news uh, of Jesus Christ. But here, Peter's upbringing, his culture, his friendships, the Jewish societies, its values, its expectations, they'd all had an influence upon Peter. And some of Peter's conclusions were wrong. So Peter ends up going with Cornelius' servants. And Cornelius, in faith, had got together his family and his friends. <laughs> he expected Peter to come. And he gives Peter the floor, and Peter shares the good news of Jesus. Salvation in Christ. And what happens? The Spirit of the God comes down and descends. And they're baptised. You remember the verse there in Acts 1. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. (laughs) God's message was spreading so that all people could be blessed. 
you know, we're a product of our upbringing, of our culture, of our friendships, those in authority, society's values and expectations, they've all had an influence upon us. And much of that is good and wholesome. However, when we come to faith, we respond to a different drummer. And the drummer's name is Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. He's the one that we worship and he's the one that we follow. And the question is, are we listening to God? Do I hear you say, of course. (laughs) But are we truly listening to God? See, Peter thought he was listening to God. And God needed to jolt Peter. See, when there's a difference for us, whose voice do we listen to? Is it the voice of God or the voice of our society? And my friends, the voice of God and the voice of society today are giving different messages. And God speaks in a variety of ways to us, but he's not going to contradict his word that he has given to us. And especially of how we are to live. See, does God's word have a priority in our lives? Is it time like Peter to change? Back in uh, 1517, so it's a little bit before Wittard Road was around, <laughs> Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. And the issue there was Scripture. Luther was concerned that the church had moved so far away from the Scriptures and from God's Word. They were selling indulgences, doctrinal policies of purgatory, papal authority, and a lot of it all wrapped up in money. And he was saying, hey, when I read the scriptures, I don't see anything of this. And my concern today is that other voices are given space and God's voice is being crowded out. And do we hold loosely to the scriptures? See, when we meet together with our services, we're regarded as people of the Word. And Baptists, above all, are regarded as people of the Word of God. But how much Scripture is given place within our time when we come together? How much of it is read? When we gather around to hear a sermon, how much of the Bible is expounded? or rooted within scripture when I go round and uh, I hear for me a lot of preaching is a bit like a helicopter we have a launch pad and that maybe a, a bible passage is read or a verse is read but we go off in all sorts of different directions that has no root within the scriptures And we're in danger of not hearing from God, but we hear simply a person's own thoughts. My concern is we hear that message and we interpret the scriptures then through our own cultural lenses and we make scripture say what we want it to say. 
and my plea I think is a little bit with Luther again solar scripture back in the reformation times I'm the radical reformation that's where uh, for Baptists we would have our roots in Anabaptism at the same time is solar scripture Bible exposition not imposition those of you who know me know that I enjoy my sport as well I know Steve enjoys his sport and question of sport is one of those things I think um, my, a lot of my playing days are, are gone these days <laughs> enjoy the, the watching um, and it's been a great summer of sport in that sense already but a question of sport and one of the rounds they have is an observation round that you view the sporting content and then you answer questions or comment on what's been seen but are we having people comment on God's word without having first studied God's word and we make assumptions Romans 12, 1 and 2 the J.B. Phillips translation which I know some of you will know says don't let the world squeeze you into its mould <laughs> don't let the world squeeze you into a mould I, I like that translation and I think it reflects well upon what's been said there in Romans see in Peter's case <clears throat> he was being challenged about discrimination there was entrenched prejudice that needed to be overcome before the Gentiles could be admitted to that first century church and Christians in this country have had to consider again areas where they have discriminated as well there's been much about the Windrush generation coming back after the Second World War and certainly over in the West Midlands, Birmingham, the black country huge numbers of, uh, of West Indians there and just over 10 years ago the Baptist Union made an apology to the Jamaican Baptist Union for how many of our brothers and sisters were treated when they came over there's a huge move of God at the moment among the Romani gypsies but what place would they have among us what judgment would we make we live in a society that says it's okay to hold something against somebody else but what does God say about this and forgiveness we have the Lord's Prayer as we know the Lord's Prayer forgive and you will be forgiven our world values economic success and getting to the top so you have programs like The Apprentice people want to be millionaires usually before they're 30 but what does God say about money and how we treat others there's been a whole whirlwind of change in social and ethical issues and largely society doesn't recognise right and wrong anymore but what is God saying and there is a challenge as to how we welcome people whose lifestyles we disagree with finances, how we use them reflects what we value see we have a natural inclination to give priority to our upbringing and to our culture to what society says that's where we are naturally drawn but the call here from scripture today 
is about listening to God if God is the one we worship if Jesus is Lord if the Spirit has taken up residence then surely he is the one that we need to listen to above all other voices and that may mean going against the flow and going against the cultural flow as well my friends there's a consequence there's a cost to following Jesus let us not push that cost to one side let's be prepared to take up our cross and to follow Jesus and so at this time of anniversary for you your time of thanksgiving as you've looked back and all that God has done over the last 60 years there's also a reflection and maybe sometimes a readjustment a refocus let us tune in to God's radio length wavelength individually we may need to at times readjust our set but as a church my prayer too is that you would be a shining light here within this community it would be known as a place where people can find Christ and can grow in their faith a place where something of the spirit of God is at work a place where hearts and lives are transformed let's pray together let's be still for a moment sure God was speaking to you as I was sharing but just ask God to clear away the clutter (laughs) some of those things that are distraction in your life at the moment and ask God to speak into your heart what's he saying to you that may well be different for each one of us so grateful that you left the wonder of heaven and you came to this earth for us thank you you died that we could be forgiven you rose that we could have a new life thank you you've called us to your work thank you you've called us to be your ambassadors and to share that good news thank you for the transformation that you have brought to our lives Lord this day we stand in need of your cleansing and forgiveness forgive us Lord that at times we have taken you loosely forgive us at times we have not always heard your voice and we have allowed other voices to come in forgive us for the times we have misunderstood what you are saying to us this day Lord we pray you would help to clear away some of the clutter in our lives and help us to so order our lives that we can hear from you and hear clearly inspire us Give us a heart and a passion for your word. Give us a heart and a passion to serve you. To walk together with one another here. Lord, I pray your blessing upon this fellowship this day. As it seeks to be the witness to your people in this community. I pray you bring encouragement to the church during this autumn period. We can see hearts and lives that are changed by the love of God. May it be a light a shining light here for you.
Lord, this day we commend one another to you. Help us as we seek to walk together. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen.